is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Our number, 877 381 You know, now we're back to the masks debate. I think the bottom line is that we are infected with incredibly incompetent and arrogant medical and scientific bureaucrats in our government. That at the highest levels, they're not there because of their expertise or their merit. They're there because they know how to bureaucratically hang on for decade after decade after decade. In other words, they're good infighters. They like the publicity, but they're utterly and completely, not just out of touch with the American people, but out of touch, period. This is why Fauci is the flip-flopper of all flip-floppers in modern history. So we're back to the masks. Masks for the vaccinated. Now they want people to get vaccinated, but they say even if you get vaccinated, you're going to need to wear masks. Now you're not only going to need to wear masks, you may need to wear masks indoors. And by the way, kids who don't spread and don't receive, where there's no problem at all, little kids, they're going to have to wear a mask too when they go back to school. So this is not following the science in any respect. In any respect. And then, of course, that will lead to more attacks on the economy, more spending. And Joe Biden has that figured out, too, being the genius that he is, bottom of his class at, where did he go, Delaware Law School or Ed's Law School? I don't know. And you'll hear this later in the program. More spending will reduce uh, inflation. More spending will reduce inflation. There's not an ignoramus on the face of the earth who believes that, who's ever even said that. Ever. But he believes it. I really think, Mr. Producer, we very much need to take the red button to the nuclear weapons away from this man. 
Now, I understand it takes more than one finger to press a button to launch, but this guy shouldn't be anywhere near them. Anywhere near them. He's an extraordinarily stupid, arrogant man, which he's always been. So now we have the, the absolute and utter incoherence when it comes to masks and vaccines. And so if you're somebody who hasn't been vaccinated and you're really not sure whether you should be, and there's a lot of people who have certain illnesses, ladies and gentlemen, and they talk to their private doctors and the doctor says, look, you may not want to take the vaccine, maybe you will, that sort of thing. So it's not just people resisting the vaccine. Oh, look at them. I happen to know some who would take the vaccine, but it could actually harm them in combination with the illness they have. So Joe Biden and his crew aren't doing anybody any good by what they're saying. And you're somebody who, who's nervous about the vaccine because you listen to Joe Biden and Kamala Harris all summer. You listen to the Democrat Party. And the propagandists in the media all summer, and you go, well, I'm a little nervous about this now. Oh, no, 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 Joe Biden's in now. Now it's okay. Now you can be vaccinated because Joe Biden says it's okay. Oh, okay. Joe Biden says it's okay. The damage is done. Do I believe in getting vaccinated? Yes. If you don't have a, another illness in which it can complicate things or expose you to an illness or possible death, but if you're healthy... Yes, I believe in it. But I also believe in liberty. And this is a false issue. It is an utterly false issue. There is not another pandemic. Well, you know, the Delta variant, there's not another pandemic, I said. You know where the pandemic is? It's in the Oval Office. I wish they were as concerned about the amount of slaughter that's going on in our inner cities. Black-on-black murder. I wish they were more concerned about that. 10% is concerned they are about the, the Delta variant. Because people are dying, really dying, whether they're vaccinated or not, in our inner cities. And it's not the fault of guns. It's not the fault of bullets. It's the fault of hoodlums and gangsters. Killers and would-be killers. But we can't address that. Those are Democrat-run cities. And we can't address that. We're responsible in part from that. So there's a pandemic that is human-made that they don't want to address. But it's, it's very perverse. And by the way, the U.S. women's soccer team in the competition before the Olympics, ladies and gentlemen, they kneeled and they lost. Good. I'm glad they lost. I want them to lose. I want them to lose badly. I want them to kneel their way all the way to losership. No medals. And I want them to take the words United States off the team. United States? A white supremacist, hateful nation like this? They're taking a knee, then why wear it on your uniform? Why, why compete under the United States? I'm rooting against them. I want them to lose. They don't represent me, these reprobates. These spoiled brats. That's right, I said it. I'm rooting against them. Honestly, I don't even give a damn. But I'm rooting against them. You hate America so much, you try to humiliate your fellow countrymen. I have family members who fought under that flag. 
You know, soccer players, oh, aren't they courageous taking a knee? Now, courageous taking a knee is if you play soccer for the uh, Cuban regime, or you play soccer for the Russian regime, or you play soccer for the communist Chinese regime, or you play soccer for, you know, 90% of the rest of the world's countries. Fascist, Marxist, autocrats of some sort. You come home, you never play soccer again. It's an amazing thing. What happened? What happened to Melanie? I don't know. She's not with us anymore. That's right. She's not with us anymore. She took a knee. She took a knee. Oh. Now, isn't the captain of the women's soccer team, I believe she's a lesbian, right, Mr. Is that correct, Mr. Producer? And that, that's fine by me. I, I, that's not my point. She could never play for the Iranian team, could she? She'd be dead. She'd be killed. So it takes no guts whatsoever to take a knee when you're, you're playing in the U.S. team. In fact, you'll be celebrated by the reprobates and miscreants, of which there are too many in this country. Oh, look at that. They took a knee. Get a picture. Get a picture. Oh, there's injustice in America. There's imperfection in America. Oh, imagine that. People being paid a fortune playing soccer, whining about America. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. I'll be on Hannity tonight, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Hannity tonight. I also recorded a uh, a short uh, interview with Brett Baer on Fox as well. And uh, again, I want to thank you folks. You are absolutely uh, fantastic, tremendous patriots who care about the survival of this country. And I want you to know that, uh, as I did point out yesterday, we're not only number one on the New York Times hardcover nonfiction, New York Times hardcover and ebook combined nonfiction. That the final numbers for the first week came in. Hardcover books three hundred and thirty thousand. Ebooks and audio another seventy thousand. So all told, all formats, four hundred thousand copies of American Marxism were sold because of you. You purchasing it for yourself, other people, family members and so forth. And this week, the numbers are also significant, as best as I can see. And so I believe this movement is for real. 
I believe this movement is growing. I believe the Americans who are patriotic, who love this country, and we far outnumber the others, want to understand exactly what's taking place, who's doing it to us, where this comes from, and some ideas, many ideas, on what we should do about it. And I think it will be a big showing when you go through the airports and so forth. Hold the book out. You can identify each other. You'll know your fellow patriots. I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican, a Libertarian, a Social Conservative, a Fiscal... It doesn't matter. You love the country. You're not part of the American Marxist movement, like the New York Times and others. What's that guy's name? Frank something or other writes about the media for the, for the New York Times. I can't remember this jerk's name. Whatever it is. He's already attacked the book. Now, the man hasn't read the book. He's a very slow reader. He uses his forefinger, you know, as he goes through. So he's a very slow reader. What is it? What is it? Yeah, Bruni. That's a red crap. The guy's an idiot. He's an idiot. He's a moron. He used to be their writer, you know, for, uh, for Broadway. Real tough job. Can you imagine getting paid to watch plays on Broadway and then write about them, Mr. Producer? Boy, you're really ripping off the subscribers doing that kind of crap. But he's a leftist, your typical buffoon. You're going to love Sunday's Life, Liberty, and Levin. The opening monologue, I go right after the New York Times and its history. Some history you may not even know. And of course, we have two great guests. We're going to discuss at some length Cuba, what's going on in Cuba with Senator Marco Rubio. We have Tom Homan on the second half, where we're really going to dig into what's going on in the border. But I think you're going to really like the monologue, too. But I want to thank you all. Now, some of you aren't, aren't, you haven't jumped in yet. I want you to jump in. I want you to certainly think about it. Uh, it I just think this movement is crucial, crucial in defense of our, our liberties and our principles. And if you're still not sure, I want to encourage you to go to Amazon.com and read the comments. There are, fi- there are over 1,500 comments. There are five stars. Overwhelmingly, uh, the book is, is liked by those who have actually purchased it and read it. So go ahead and take a look at the comments. And if you want to get a book immediately, you can order it on Amazon.com. And hundreds of thousands of you have. Or, of course, you can wait for Friday and the weekend when you go to Walmart or Costco or Barnes & Noble and all the other the outlets there. Books a million. I can't list them all. You know. Target. BJ's. Sam's. Uh-oh. I started down the list. And the independent bookstores are great, too. They're great, too. But... I just wanted you to know, I said there's power in numbers. There's power in numbers. Now, most of the, the hate America media that spews the Marxist agenda, the various Marxist movements in this country, they're utterly silent. They don't want to say anything. They're hoping this will die. A nice, quiet death. All right, give them a week or two. Don't attack. Don't attack yet. That'll just bring in the nut jobs. That's what they're thinking. I'm ready. They can attack all they want. They're not attacking me. They're too stupid to understand it. They're attacking the people that they actually support and who support them. I'm ready for them. I can't wait. I'm grinding my teeth. You ever grind your teeth, Mr. Producer? I recommend you don't, by the way. Um, So we're ready. And then, shockingly, American Marxism debuted number one on the Toronto Star list. You believe that? Toronto Star? And it'll appear on the Globe and Mail's national bestseller list. So uh, internationally, uh, the book has drawn a lot of attention, too. 
So I wanted to bring that to your attention. And this is all driven by you. The parents who are sick and tired of what's happening to your kids in public school. The hard workers in this country are sick and tired of what's going on in the border. The great middle class in this country that's sick and tired of the hate America crowd. People who own private property, homes, businesses, what have you, are sick and tired of this degrowth movement, driving up the cost of your gasoline, driving up the cost of everything. That is we, the people. Because that's exactly what's going on here. You see the, the, the entrails of this movement. The dangers in this movement and so forth. It is a vile, really alien type of ideology. And it is, uh, you know, it's sucking the blood out of this country. But here's the problem they have. We're not rolling over. We're red-blooded Americans. We don't give up. And I'm hoping, if you haven't yet, you'll use this weekend maybe to start, crack open the book and start, start reading it a bit, start taking it in. Those of you who have it, those of you who don't, this would be a perfect time. And to make sure your college-bound children, or those in college, or even those in high school, are armed with the facts, are armed with the information, because this is not going away. There are too many people on the payroll of these movements now. There's too many people who are making millions promoting this ideology. There's too many politicians, particularly in the Democrat Party, who are, uh, who are uh, connected to these movements. And same with the media. And so I want to strongly encourage you. Gear up. We can defeat this. It's not going to be easy. It's going to take a little bit of time. But you've got to get started. Uh, next week we'll talk about again some of the solutions. And then hopefully, if none of you have actually read the book or purchased the book, go through the book, we can have some chats about it. Not exclusively. There's a lot going on that we want to talk about as well. Including during the course of this show. And I want to tell you a little story. That I was at a FedEx. I don't know if they call it a depot where I had to go there to pick up a package. Because apparently my FedEx driver has no patience. So he keeps slapping these stickers on the window of my door before I have time to even get the package. So I have to drive like 45 minutes away to get it. But anyway, there was an interesting discussion and I want to respond to it. I'll be right back. Levin, tough as hell. That's why I like Mark Levin. And I'm not sure a lot of people like him. He's tough as hell. But I like him. I love him. Call in now. 877-381-3811. By the way, I want to thank Brett Baer for uh, giving me time on his program. Uh, Most news platforms do not. Uh, On most of these cable channels. On some of them, never. Uh, But... uh, but he did, and he, and he was very fair, so I very much appreciate that. And I'm sure he'll take some you-know-what from, from uh, other so-called news people, because they're frauds and they're fakes. That's why the opening monologue on Life, Liberty, and Levin this Sunday I think is very, very important. So there I am at the FedEx. I must have a new FedEx driver around here. The other guy was great. You know, I have meetings. I am taping uh, stuff. I'm talking to other radio hosts. I'm talking to my producers. I can't sit by the front door and wait for a knock 
from the UPS or the FedEx guy. And the UPS guy understands this. been with me a while. Apparently, there's a new FedEx guy. So what happens is, when I go to the front door, there's the sticker. Now, today, I took one of those stickers. I took an hour out of my day, drove to the FedEx, I don't know what they call it, the depot, got whatever it was that was sent to me, came back. There's another sticker, Mr. Producer. When I was gone, he was back with another package and put another sticker on my door. Now, this is ridiculous. But that's not my point. So I'm standing there, minding my own business, and the FedEx lady behind the counter, two of them, one of them, uh, a woman comes in and says to her, what a beautiful day it is. And she says, yes. Yes, must be global warming, I'm thinking. It's a beautiful day, must be global warming. Isn't it summertime, Mr. Producer? So I, I didn't even understand what was being said. Then the customer says, yes, I'm from California. I escaped California because of all the forest fires, global warming. I said, my God, are we surrounded by ignoramuses? It's just unbelievable. It's unbelievable. So it's warm out, it's global warming. No, 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 it's summertime. There's fires? No. There's not fires because of climate change. For all the other reasons we've talked about. So I just figured, oh boy, do we have our work cut out for us. The propagandists are very, very effective. Then I, when I was in the car, I called Mr. Producer. I said, you know, that George Carlin bit that we play about once a year. With the phony Green New Deal and the phony climate change and, uh, and the push to destroy our economic system in the name of uh, climate change and doing a, and to listen to this idiot John Kerry on and on and on, moan on and groan on as he's flying all over the world to these beautiful capitals in Europe, married to a billionaire. He knows how to marry this guy. Married to a billionaire. Before that, he was married to a melon, by the way. Because he's for the people. I said, you know what? Who can answer this better than George Carlin, the great late George Carlin? So here's a little treat for you. Cut 22, go. You got people like this around you, country's full of them now. People walking around all day long, every minute of the day, worried about everything. Worried about the air, worried about the water, worried about the soil. Worried about insecticides, pesticides, food additives, carcinogens. Worried about radon gas, worried about asbestos. Worried about saving endangered species. Let me tell you about endangered species, all right? Saving endangered species is just one more arrogant attempt by humans to control nature. It's arrogant meddling. It's what got us in trouble in the first place. Doesn't anybody understand that? Interfering with nature. Over 90%, over, way over, 90% of all the species that have ever lived on this planet, ever lived, are gone. They're extinct. We didn't kill them all. They just disappeared. That's what nature does. They disappear these days at the rate of 25 a day. And I mean regardless of our our behavior. Irrespective of how we act on this planet, 25 species that were here today will be gone tomorrow. Let them go gracefully. Leave nature alone. Haven't we done enough? We're so self-important. So self-important. Everybody's going to save something now. Save the trees, save the bees, save the whales, save those snails. 
and the greatest arrogance of all, save the planet. What? Are these people kidding me? Save the planet? We don't even know how to take care of ourselves yet. We haven't learned how to care for one another. We're going to save the planet? I'm getting tired of that. Tired of that. I'm tired of Earth Day. I'm tired of these self-righteous environmentalists, these white bourgeois liberals who think the only thing wrong with this country is there aren't enough bicycle paths. People trying to make the world safe for their Volvos. Besides, environmentalists don't give a shit about the planet. They don't care about the planet. Not in the abstract, they don't. Not in the abstract, they don't. You know what they're interested in? A clean place to live. Their own habitat. They're worried that someday in the future they might be personally inconvenienced. Narrow, unenlightened self-interest doesn't impress me. Besides, there is nothing wrong with the planet. Nothing wrong with the planet. The planet is fine. The people are f***ed. Difference. Difference. The planet is fine. Compared to the people, the planet is doing great. It's been here four and a half billion years. Do you ever think about the arithmetic? Planet has been here four and a half billion years. We've been here, what, 100,000? Maybe 200,000? And we've only been engaged in heavy industry for a little over 200 years. 200 years versus four and a half billion. And we have the conceit to think that somehow we're a threat? That somehow we're going to put in jeopardy this beautiful little blue-green ball that's just a-floating around the sun? The planet has been through a lot worse than us. Been through all kinds of things worse than us. Been through earthquakes, volcanoes, plate tectonics, continental drift, solar flares, sunspots, magnetic storms, the magnetic reversal of the poles, hundreds of thousands of years of bombardment by comets and asteroids and meteors, worldwide floods, tidal waves, worldwide fires, erosion, cosmic rays, recurring ice ages, and we think some plastic bags and some aluminum cans are going to make a difference? The planet, the planet, the planet isn't going anywhere. We are. We're going away. Pack your folks. We're going away. And we won't leave much of a trace either. Thank God for that. Maybe a little styrofoam, maybe. A little styrofoam. Planet will be here and we'll be long gone. Just another failed mutation. Just another closed end biological mistake. An evolutionary cul-de-sac. The planet will shake us off like a bad case of fleas. A surface nuisance. Of course, today he would be banned. He would be canceled. He would be destroyed. But not on this program. Cut 23, go. You want to know how the planet's doing? Ask those people at Pompeii who are frozen into position from volcanic ash how the planet's doing. Want to know if the planet's all right? Ask those people in Mexico City or Armenia or a hundred other places buried under thousands of tons of earthquake rubble if they feel like a threat to the planet this week. How about those people in Kilauea, Hawaii who build their homes right next to an active volcano and then wonder why they have lava in the living room. <laughs> ha, 
The planet will be here for a long, long, long time after we're gone, and it will heal itself, it will cleanse itself, because that's what it does. It's a self-correcting system. The air and the water will recover, the earth will be renewed, and if it's true that plastic is not degradable, well, the planet will simply incorporate plastic into a new paradigm, the earth plus plastic. <laughs> the earth doesn't share our prejudice towards plastic. Plastic came out of the earth. The earth probably sees plastic as just another one of its children. Could be the only reason the earth allowed us to be spawned from it in the first place. It wanted plastic for itself. <laughs> Didn't know how to make it. Needed us. Could be the answer to our age-old philosophical question, why are we here? Plastic. <laughs> so... The plastic is here, our job is done, we can be phased out now. And I think that's really started already, don't you? I mean, to be fair, the planet probably sees us as a mild threat, something to be dealt with. And I'm sure the planet will defend itself in, in, in the uh, manner of a large organism, like a beehive or an ant colony can muster a defense. I'm sure the planet will think of something. What would you do if you were the planet trying to defend against this pesky, troublesome species? Let's see, what might, hmm, viruses. Viruses might be good. They seem vulnerable to viruses and uh, viruses are tricky always mutating and forming new strains whenever a vaccine is developed perhaps this first virus could be one that that compromises the immune system of these creatures perhaps a mm -hmm. human immunodeficiency virus making them vulnerable to all sorts of other diseases and infections that might come along and maybe it could be spread sexually making them a little reluctant to engage in the act of reproduction well that's a poetic note and it's a start and I can dream, can I? See, I don't worry about the little things. Bees, trees, whales, snails. I think we're part of a greater wisdom than we will ever understand. A higher order. Call it what you want. Know what I call it? The big electron. The big electron. Whoa. Whoa. All right. Well, you get the drift. Now, that was a real comedian. Not like these nighttime flunkies who are really boring monotonous, repetitive mouthpieces for big government and for these, these various Marxist movements, the Democrat Party and so forth and so on. Now he was a liberal, but he was not a nut. And he could see how ridiculous it was, the conceit that we pass some laws that we change how we manufacture, that we get rid of the combustion engine, and somehow that will impact the planet. When you read American Marxism, there's an entire chapter on what I call the climate change fanatics, because it's not about climate change. This is why it always changes from global freezing to global warming to climate change, the Green New Deal. The Green New Deal is the giveaway. That's the war on capitalism. That's the war on private property rights and your unalienable rights. That's the massive power of a centralized federal government that can reach into your home, reach into your bedroom, reach into your automobile, and reach wherever it wants to. And that ideology, that movement was hatched in Europe, as I've told you many times now from the book. It is a degrowth movement. It is not an environmental movement. Any more than critical race theory is a legitimate racial movement. It's another Marxist movement. 
and on and on down the pike. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Here's the thing. I want to give you some uh, some positive impact or input here. In many ways, in this regard, I'm the canary in the cave, right? I started using this phrase now, American Marxism. The uh, big media, tech, the various Marxist movements, their surrogates in the media, they're not sure what to do. Do they attack me or do they pretend nothing happened? We'll see how this plays out in the course of the next several weeks, but this is, this is what I want to tell you that should give you, give you some hope. I am not on Facebook. I am not on Twitter. Others may be, but I'm not linking to anything from a Facebook or Twitter account because I don't use Facebook or Twitter. I'm on Parler. And yet we sold 400,000 books in all forms in the first week. I'm not invited on the Today Show or the Good Morning America Show. I'm not invited on the Sunday morning shows, the so-called Sunday morning news shows. I'm not invited on 60 Minutes, like Bob Woodward and his ilk. I'm not invited on the late night comedy shows. And by the way, not that I would go on any of these. So when it comes to the networks in America, which have the largest audiences by far, it's not even close. ABC and NBC and CBS. I'm not invited on a single network in America. Not their morning shows, not their news programs, not their Sunday shows, none. None. And as I said, I don't use Facebook or Twitter. And yet this is by far the number one book of the year. So far. Of the year. The combined sales in this book, thanks to you, the army of Levinites and patriots, is bigger than the next 15 books on the New York Times list combined. Do you hear the crickets, Mr. Producer? They're not going to be mentioned on these on this network, on these on these networks. Neither are you. But if they decide and switch their strategy, it will be an attack strategy. We're ready for this. But this is what I mean about the positivity of this. When I decided to write this book, this is important. It's bigger than the book. When I decided to write this book. I thought to myself, maybe I was delusional. If Thomas Paine can get through to 10% of the American people with a pamphlet, with a pamphlet, maybe I can get through to 1% of the American people with my book. It doesn't take much more to begin reversing course. Because we outnumber them. 
There's no grand popular uprising from the bottom up, the proletariat taking on the bourgeoisie. That's not happening in this country. What's happening is it's top down. The universities with their tenured professors and their overpaid administrators. The media with their overpaid, bloated hosts and reporters. Same with the late night hosts and so-called comedy comics, which are not even funny. And on and on down the list. What you're demonstrating, what we are demonstrating is, we don't need them. We don't need them to grow, and we don't need them to communicate. And we can rally around what's in this book, and rally around a movement. I believe it's underway as I speak. I want to focus on the next hour on this Governor Whitmer and some of this news now that's been surrounding whether the FBI was involved in this entire plot from day one. We'll be right back. Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin. Our number is 877-381-3811, It's not enough for me to summarize the story in BuzzFeed and BuzzFeed wasn't the first to really sort of uncover what took place here but it's written the most comprehensive piece and moreover it is a left wing website funded by leftists and so it's uniquely interesting that this piece appears there but the bottom line is I want you to hear this I want you to know this. And as a reminder, the Attorney General of the United States is sending out strike forces, I think they call them, fanning them out across the country to try and track down illegal guns. I don't trust them. I would never have said that a few years ago, ever. I don't trust them under this Attorney General. I don't trust them under the, under the individuals who Biden's appointed the Department of Justice. I don't trust them because of Biden in this White House. I've seen how they've let Black Lives Matter and Antifa and these other Marxist violent organizations off the hook while they're searching the country for people who just trespassed on the Capitol lawn. Uh, It didn't even breach the building in trying to charge them and throw them in prison. I don't trust them. It's a sad day, but it's true. You know, most of us kind of obliquely remember some kind of conspiracy, we were told, of, of white supremacists who wanted to kidnap the governor of Michigan. I always found that incredible, didn't you, Mr. Bidus? It's like, what? What a bunch of knuckleheads. You're going to kidnap the governor of Michigan? And exactly how's that going to work? I want you to listen to this in part. The prosecution in this case, says BuzzFeed, has already 
emerged uh, as a critical test for the, how the Biden administration approaches the growing threat of homegrown anti-government groups. More than that, the case epitomizes the ideological divisions that have riven the country over the past several years. To some, the FBI's infiltration of the innermost circle of armed anti-government groups is a model for how to successfully forestall dangerous acts of domestic terrorism. But for others, it's an example of precisely the kind of outrageous government overreach that radicalizes people in the first place and increasingly a flashpoint for deep state conspiracy theories. So again, relating back to this Michigan case with the governor and the alleged kidnapping effort. The government has documented at least 12 confidential informants who assisted the sprawling investigation. Twelve confidential informants in this circle? The trove of evidence they'd helped gather provides an unprecedented view into American extremism, laying out in often stunning detail the ways the anti-government group networks with each other and in some cases discuss violent actions. I thought they were talking about Black Lives Matter, but I was wrong. An examination of the case by BuzzFeed News also reveals that some of those informants, acting under the direction of the FBI, played a far larger role than has been previously reported. Working in secret, they did more than just passively observe and report on the actions of the suspects. Instead, they had a hand in nearly every aspect of the alleged plot, starting with its inception. Now let's stop there. That's their sentence, not mine. So if they had a hand starting with the inception, is it fair to conclude... Not authoritatively, but fair to conclude, just subjectively, that there may not have been a plot but for the role the FBI played, Mr. Producer? They had a hand in every aspect of the alleged plot starting with its inception. The extent of their involvement raises questions as to whether there would have been a conspiracy without them. Without them. A longtime government informant from Wisconsin, for example, helped organize a series of meetings around the country where many of the alleged plotters first met one another and the earliest notions of a plan took root, some of those people say. The Wisconsin informant even paid for some hotel rooms and food as an incentive to get people to come. The Iraq war vet, for his part, became so deeply enmeshed in a Michigan militant group that he rose to become its second-in-command encouraging members to collaborate with other potential suspects and paying for their transportation to meetings. You know, if this is an entrapment, I don't know what is. From beginning to end, you're setting up meetings? You're networking people? You're paying to facilitate activities? He prodded the alleged mastermind of the kidnapping plot to advance his plan, then baited the trap that led to the arrest. The account is based on an analysis of court filings, transcripts, exhibits, audio recordings, and other documents, as well as interviews with more than two dozen people with direct knowledge of the case, including several who were present at meetings and training sessions where prosecutors say the plot was hatched. All but one of the 14 original defendants have pleaded not guilty, and they vigorously deny that they were involved in a conspiracy to kidnap anyone. 
The prosecution gathered thousands of social media posts, some 400,000 text messages, and more than 1,300 hours of recordings, including audio or video from all three vehicles that alleges traveled to Birch Lake on the night of September 12. It maintains that this evidence shows that many of those who were charged not only expressed anti-government sentiments, but also took concrete steps toward the goal of kidnapping or killing law enforcement officers and elected officials. But the defendants, as well as other caught up in the sweeping investigation, which stretched from Baltimore to Kansas City, claim their talk never rose beyond the level of fantasy, and they never intended to harm anyone. Although they have not denied participating in training events or attending meetings and communicating with other defendants, they claim that no actual conspiracy to kidnap the governor ever existed. Instead, they say, they were targeted because of their political views. Some describe the case as a premeditated campaign by the government to undermine the patriot movement, an ideology based on fealty to the Second Amendment and the conviction that the government has violated the Constitution and therefore is illegitimate. They argue that the recordings and text messages that the government calls proof of a criminal conspiracy are in fact constitutionally protected speech, expressions of frustration at what they see as government's betrayal of its citizens. Want me to stop reading? I don't think I will. Attorneys for all but one of the defendants declined invitations to comment on the record for the story. To date, one defendant has formally accused the government of entrapment, arguing the FBI assembled the key plotters, encouraged the group's anti-government feelings, even gave its members military-style training. Additional defendants have said they plan to make similar claims when the cases divided between federal and state court go to trial starting in October. Last week, the lawyer, bear with me. The last week, the lawyer for one defendant filed a motion that included texts from an FBI agent to a key informant, that is, the Iraq War veteran, directing him to draw specific people into the conspiracy, potential evidence of entrapment that he said the government inadvertently disclosed. Now, the government's supposed to disclose everything that might actually help the defendant. Apparently, they haven't done that. So he's requesting all texts sent and received by that informant, and other attorneys are now considering motions that accuse the government of intentionally withholding evidence of entrapment. This stinks to high heaven, I'm just saying. I'm not into any of these groups. I don't know anything about these groups, but this stinks to high heaven. I am a constitutional lawyer. I've spent my life in this field. And I can promise you, if this was Black Lives Matter, all hell would break loose. We have liberties, civil liberties, civil rights, the Bill of Rights, and they have to apply regardless who the defendants are. That's the nature of the country. Meanwhile, Gregory Townsend, one of the lead prosecutors handling the case against eight of the defendants at Michigan State Court, was reassigned in May, pending an attorney general audit into whether he had withheld evidence about deals cut with informants during a murder and arson trial in Oakland County in 2000. And on Sunday, in a matter apparently unrelated to the alleged kidnapping conspiracy, one of the lead FBI agents in the case, Richard J. Trask, was charged in state court in in Kalamazoo with assault with intent to do great bodily harm. Well, that's two agents that have a problem, Mr. Producer. A spokesperson for the Michigan Attorney General's office said the defendant's claims are not indisputable facts. 
adding that the office will counter and correct these issues in court. The Department of Justice declined requests for an interview or to provide comment for this article, citing its policy not to discuss pending criminal cases. That's right. They'd rather leak, like they did endlessly against Trump and people who were actually charged. They're not going to comment on the record. An FBI spokesperson said the Bureau is aware of the charges against Trask, but declined to further comment for this article. Government entrapment is a common strategy in domestic terrorism cases, in part because it is among the only available defenses if prosecutors have evidence from extensive surveillance. Such defenses usually fail. Most domestic terrorism defendants are convicted, but not always. Less than a decade ago, for example, an apocalyptic Christian group in Michigan was prosecuted for allegedly plotting to murder police officers. Among other things, the defendants claimed that the entire conspiracy was instigated by deeply embedded FBI informants, and the defendants were ultimately acquitted by the judge. Since its founding 13 years ago, the FBI has relied upon an often paid confidential informants, excuse me, 113 years ago, to aid in criminal investigations, and it goes on the cases. The Michigan case is unfolding at another fraught moment in American history. In court, the government has drawn a direct line between the alleged kidnapping plot and the January 6th insurrection. All right, that is loaded there. The alleged kidnapping plot in January 6th. So they raise serious questions about the charges. And then they say there is a, the government is, is drawing a line between this and January 6th, the insurrection. Ladies and gentlemen, let, let, let's just cut to the chase here. If there were an insurrection on January 6th, there'd be bullets flying, Molotov cocktails thrown. Parts of the Capitol building would have been blown up and burning. The people who breached the building would have been well-armed. In other words, it would have been like the Weather Underground or the SDS or Antifa or Black Lives Matter. But it wasn't. Last month, Attorney General Merrick Garland stressed in a speech about the government's approach to domestic terrorism. It's focused on violence, not ideology. Well, that's not true. But if the defense is able to undermine the methods used by, uh, to build the Michigan case, it could add weight to the theory that the administration is conducting a witch hunt against militant groups by extension. How about this? Don't worry about theories. Don't worry about the administration, what it's trying to prove. Let's worry about the truth. If, in fact, I didn't write this article, they wrote this article. If, in fact, the FBI instigated, helped plot, helped plan, helped fund, helped facilitate, and then prosecute the people involved in this, that is outrageous. Absolutely outrageous. Absolutely outrageous. And other than BuzzFeed, which is a lousy uh, forum typically, and a handful of others, I have not seen this in major media. I have not seen this in major media, and yet isn't this a big deal? I'll be right back.
Ah, the games people play. I've encouraged you to go to all you know, outlets that, that make uh, American Marxism available to order, including uh, Amazon. Now, one of the reasons people like Amazon is because you can get the book the next day, right, Mr. Producer? Well discounted, get the book the next day. Amazon has an enormous number of copies of American Marxism in their warehouses. But if you go on Amazon, it says uh, in stock, available, in, you know, shipping, ships in one to two days. Now, just so you know, it ships the next day. It's not shipping in one to two days. I have no idea why that's up there. My publisher has no idea why that's up there or who's screwing around. But I don't know what you're thinking. Oh, geez, I've got to wait 48 hours. Actually, you don't. So I just want to make that abundantly clear. Ignore that. It's a massive company with God knows how many people screwing around. So I'm just telling you, there's good people there too. You heard the stock guy call up in the program last week. But I don't want you to be discouraged when it says ships in one to two days. That's not correct. It ships immediately the next day. So uh, you should continue ordering it there for your own convenience. You're not going to punish them if you say, well, then screw it. Uh, I'm just saying, you do what you're comfortable with, what's most convenient to do. I'm just saying that that line is incorrect. It doesn't ship in one to two days. It ships in one day. And I wanted to correct that, so don't worry about that. And also, Premier Collectibles. What is that site again, Mr. Producer? PremierCollectibles.com slash Marxism or something? PremierCollectibles.com slash Marxism. They're running out of signed, limited edition, first edition books. I'm just telling you, I'm sure this weekend they're going to get heavy traffic. So if you want in, whether it's for Christmas or Hanukkah, way down the road, or for a birthday, or just because you want to have it. Uh, it comes with a certificate. It comes in a very nice package. They've done them before. It's a fine outfit, excellent outfit. If you'd like to do that, I sign those in advance, uh, the book plates. So that's premiercollectibles.com slash Marxism. Until they last. And I think that's about it. Wasn't that shocking, that BuzzFeed story? It really does make you wonder about January 6th. Why the National Guard wasn't called in by Pelosi. Why they were so ill-prepared for a large group. Why they won't release the, the video. Now, of course, for the media, this is all conspiracy theory. The media that are only about conspiracy theories, whether it's Russia collusion or whatever the hell it is, ignore those dumb bastards. It really makes you wonder about January 6th. I'm not saying people didn't go there and do what they did. I'm saying it really makes you wonder if there were undercover FBI there. I'll bet you there were. If they're doing this sort of stuff in Michigan... And all over the country. And this is why what Nancy Pelosi and her new friend Liz Cheney are doing are a complete farce. This is why she doesn't want really intrepid, intrepid patriots like Banks and Jordan on the committee. She wants rhinos and yes men and women. Because people are going to want to know. They're going to want to investigate how this happened. They're going to want to know about the chain of command at the FBI. They're going to want to know if there were informants. They're going to want to know what Nancy Pelosi knew and when she knew it. 
in addition to all the rest. So this is really not an effort to get to the bottom. This is an effort, I believe, to cover things up. Radio's principal patriot. Call in now at 877-381-3811. XM Satellite, Jason, Bedford, New Hampshire. Jason, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, Mark. Go right ahead, my friend. Yeah, I want to start out. I want to start out by saying it's an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Um, Thank you. I'm learning a lot from you, and you can consider me a diehard student of the School of Levin. Aren't you nice? Um, you know, I, I I have to say I, I went out and purchased a bunch of your books. I've been giving them out to affected family members, if you will. Uh, yes. It's been a little more difficult than I thought. Uh, Isn't it amazing? To, uh, but I, you know what? I've got three kids. All uh, two of them are in college. One of them graduated last year. Uh, unfortunately, the one that graduated has been lost to the beast. Um, she's actually a teacher now in North Carolina, and uh, you know, hopefully, I can get her back at some point. But and by the way, you notice how this ideology really does divide families, tears them apart. The nuclear family—it's one of the things Mark said he wanted that needed to be accomplished. It's incredible. When when Trump was elected in 16, my mom didn't talk to me till the following October. Mm-hmm. You know, it was almost a year. She was that upset about it, and she couldn't believe I would uh, vote for someone like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, I was listening to your, your opening on the show. You were talking about the mask mandates and, and how the, you know, they're starting to increase and all these variants and everything else. And I honestly think, you know, they, they found a gem in the uh coronavirus the last time around i think they're going to try to keep this thing alive as long as they possibly can to try to affect the next election so do i yeah so do i and this is a very important point particularly your last half a sentence this will be one of the attacks on the state voting systems that we have a new variant that we have this new pandemic that you republican legislatures you should leave in place what exists because you're going to be threatening all these uh, people all over again i think you're exactly right in fact don't hang up. I want to send you a signed copy of American Marxism. That's the kind of thinking, so we can discuss this, that we really need. And it's a brilliant point, and I think you're 100% right. I think you're 100% right. It's just a matter of time. Very shortly, you're going to hear this argument now. And I want to thank you for your call. Absolutely. All right, let us continue. Let us go to Neil Campbell, Colorado, the great KSFO. Neil, how are you? It's Campbell, California. What did I say? I'm really appreciative. Colorado. I'm sorry, and I even know where Campbell, California is. It's right near Cupertino and so forth. Go right ahead. I know know you do. I've been listening for years, and I really appreciate you taking my call. Um, And thanks for the... George Carl, uh, Carlin, that was uh, much needed. I'm in a real dark place right now. But um, yeah. anyway, I wanted to call and say that I was a, I am a Guillain-Barre survivor. Hold on, hold on a second. Hold on. Why are you in a dark place? Um, family issues. I, I've been removed from a family that uh, I was my father's caregiver for two years. Mm-hmm. And um, when we put him in into a home, they, he was like 
he was like five, six years old in the head. Right. He had and dementia. He, right. Yes. And they got him turned on me. And they... Um, About his were, estate, correct? I'm sorry? About his estate, I'm right? Sorry? Uh, they They turned him on you so they could change his estate, correct? Correct. And um, It's amazing how many times I hear this and see this. And I have every, um, every, every member, not one family member would tell me what I was being, why this was going on, what I was being accused of. And my wife found mm. it on Facebook. Oh, good Lord. Um, and I've, I've been just, and I just... It's devastating, I'm sure. It's devastating. Hating me. What's and that? My father went to his grave. I said my father went to his grave hating me. Jeez. And um, I didn't get to see him for the last four years of his life. Mm-hmm. And now I'm, mm-hmm. I'm dealing with, um, with, a, with a family that out of... <laughs> over a dozen nieces and nephews, nobody will talk to me. I'm, Do you I'm, have a wife who loves you and who you love? Oh, extremely. Do you have any children of your own? No, I do not. Okay, but you have a soulmate, right? Yes, yes. Well, hold on to her nice and tightly, and she should hold on to you nice and tightly. And... uh and that's very, very important. Thank you. Thank very, very important. And I'm sorry you're going through this. I hear this a lot. I really do. It's, it's traumatizing. And, and the sad, oh gosh! And the sad thing is, they're 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 running me into the dirt financially. Uh-huh. I mean, just it's it's the the the. Well, everything could have been a simple conversation would have cleared everything up, but nobody chose to do that. Nobody would would answer a phone call, an email or a text message. They just. And it's extremely emotional for me. Um, do, do you have faith? Yes, I do. You yes, pray I to do. God. That's probably. Only... I'm sorry. You pray to God. I've been. Yes. You go to church yes. or synagogue or wherever you go? You know, I'm not a churchgoer, but I'm God-fearing. I, 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 and, I'm not, and I'm not trying to push I'm just thinking, what can you do to, to, to try and find a way out, to try and get your life back? You've got a great start with a wonderful wife, and maybe you should start going to church if you're Christian and so forth. Maybe you should start doing other things that will help you. Again, I'm not pushing anything. I'm just saying, uh, if you're dealing with evil and you're in a dark place, you got to get out of there. The sad thing is, my sister and I were ties can be out of six kids. Mm Mm-hmm. She had broken heart syndrome, was induced into a coma, and then used Chantex to quit smoking. The coma drugs can change your personality, and that's what happened. 
Mm-hmm. And the Chantex gave her vivid dreams that she swore were real. Mm-hmm. And she hates me. And I can I cannot tell you how much mm-hmm. I which I need her right now. Mm-hmm. I need her like crazy. And she uh, and she won't open the door at all to talk to you. Oh gosh, she she's I don't I don't know why she hates me the way she does. I have no idea. Um, other than that, and. Um, I've reached out and reached out and they, they've had to try, they've tried to have me thrown in jail for elder abuse a number of times. Mm-hmm. And I did nothing wrong, but other than take care of my father when nobody else would. I, I would look for the areas of light where you can in your life, your wife, uh, faith, if you're a believer, uh, I, I would look for areas of light. We can find people who appreciate you, <clears throat> people you can talk to. Uh, I really hate to do this. I really do. But I really want you to try that, okay? And, and Thank I'm, you. And I'm going to send you, not because it's going to fix anything, just I want to send you a signed copy of American Marxism. But I want you to, uh, to try and find the areas of light, any bit of positivity in your life, and pursue those. And God bless you, Neil. We wish you all the best. The whole the whole audience does. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Well, we have an update from Amazon. It's all good. You people are ordering so many books through Amazon. And please keep doing it. Please don't give up. That Amazon confirmed to the publisher, it's a simply a supply chain issue. That is, they need to move books from one warehouse to a different warehouse in order to ship them out to the different stores. And they're trying to stay ahead of it. So um, they've got plenty of stock. And so they're working on resolving this as fast as they can. But there is no delay, one to two days. So you can go on Amazon, comfortably go ahead and order it, and you'll get it. So uh, that's not a problem. All right? All's good. The gentleman, Neil, who called, the reason I, I stopped to ask him what was wrong, because I listened very carefully to the callers. And when he said, I wanted to talk to you about this, you know, I'm in a very dark place, and then he went on, I said, well, okay, wait. I, I, I feel a deep relationship with each and every one of you. I don't know each and every one of you. But if you're going to take the time to listen to my radio show or to listen to my podcast or whatever, then that means a great deal to me. And if somebody, one of you, calls me and says you're in a dark place, and if you're willing to talk about it, I want to talk about it. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a psychologist. But I'm not giving out medicines and I'm not giving out tons of advice. But if somebody's going to call here and tell me they're in a dark place, I can't just pretend they're not in a dark place and start talking about uh, immigration or something. It can't work that way. We're too tight, you Levinites. We are too tight. And so uh, that's why I wanted to talk to him. I feel very bad for him. 
I want to go to Todd in Philadelphia, the great WPHT. Todd is a pastor, and it looks like Todd lives in my old township of Cheltenham Township. Todd, are you in Cheltenham Township? I am not. I'm in Germantown. which Germantown. Is I know right exactly near. where that yeah. is. Yes, sir. Mark, I got some good news. I, I pre-ordered your book, and I, I received it on last Thursday. So yesterday I'm reading your book. I'm in the third chapter. And I get a phone call from a buddy of mine who's here in Philadelphia, Republican Party. And I, I was asked to run for a state Senate seat next year in 2022, which includes um, it's the fourth district, which includes Sheldonham Township, Jenkintown, Abington, and Springfield. Yeah, that's also. my old area. Yeah, it covers Germantown, uh, West Oak Lane, Mount Airy, and Chestnut Hill. So it's, uh, it's in two counties that yeah. one seat covers those two county areas. Yeah. Uh, and so as I'm reading your book and I'm talking to my friend yesterday, he said, I said, well, you know, I'm a Mark Levin. I, I've been one since 2013. Are you, you sure you want me to run? And he <laughs> says, yeah, we're sure. We want an African-American to run for that seat. And so um, I just, as I'm reading your book, it's giving me more inspiration because I was one of those guys who always said, what are we going to do? What are we going to Well, as uh, I skipped ahead and read the last chapter, we choose liberty. Yeah. Uh, and so this is my way of, of giving back because the principles and the precepts that I'm reading in your book are going to be my uh, stomp for as I go and campaign. It's going to be my campaign. Show. You're terrific, so, Pastor. Now, are you do you do you come from Germantown? I do. I live yeah. in Germantown. Was raised in Germantown area. Yep. So you know, if I still lived, I lived in Cheltenham, up. you'd be my you'd be my man for the state senate there. Well, that's. That's a blue area now, Mark. I don't. Think I know. It was, back when when you were around, I think it was a red area, but those areas have turned blue now. So yeah, they have. I got an uphill climb. Yeah. But you know what? You can use this to educate. You're a pastor. You know what to do better than anybody, and uh, to spread the word, and to make your opponent explain him or herself. And I couldn't be more proud of you, Pastor. What is your full name? May I ask? Todd Johnson, J-O-H-N-S-O-N. And I'll be reaching out to you, Mark, as we get closer to the election for next year. And that's I'm going to take this one personally. This is my old stomping ground. My grandfather was in Germantown. He had a little business there many, many, many years ago. Todd Johnson, pastor, running for the state senate in Pennsylvania. You call back so so I can figure out if my endorsement will hurt you or help you, sir. But don't hang up. We're going to send you a signed edition of American Marxism. I'd love to hear this. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. 3811. Joe Biden had a CNN town hall meeting yesterday. Nobody watched it. But there's a lot of clips that people are playing. You know, people have better things to do. Like almost anything. And uh, you probably heard it by now, but maybe not. He had one of those moments. And you would think in the middle of one of these moments, somebody like uh, 
D. Lemon. That's what Chris Cuomo calls him. That's what Fredo calls D. Lemon. Like these guys are street. You'd think D. Lemon would say, Mr. President, I have to ask you. You're having an episode. Do you have issues with your cognitive abilities? Are you seeing a doctor? Are you taking medicine? Should you be? And I'm, folks, and I don't even mean to be rude by saying that. It's just that it crosses everybody's mind. And by the way, if he does, he should be cared for that. But you're president of the United States. And you have a dim bulb right behind you, the vice president of the United States. Then you have a dim bulb behind her, the speaker of the house. It's a chandelier full of burned out bulbs. Anyway, let's get back. Here's Biden on the Constipated News Network, a town hall meeting with D. Lemon. Now, why would he be there with D. Lemon? Because he expects D. Lemon to, to be a flack, to be easy. And he is. Cut 16, go. Just like the other question is illogical. And I've heard you speak about it because you always, I'm not being solicitous, but you, you're always straight up about what you're doing. And the question is whether or not we should be in a position where you uh, um, are why All right, so right there, he's lost his train of thought. I'm just telling you. I can tell. Go ahead. The, the, the experts say we know that this virus is, in fact... He uh, almost sounds like Al Sharpton, doesn't he, Mr. Producer? Go ahead. Uh, it, it, it's going to be... Uh, or excuse me, we, we, we know why all the drugs approved are not temporarily approved, but permanently approved. Yeah. That's underway, too. I expect that to occur quickly. Okay, well, did anybody think... understand a word of this? Go ahead. You mean for the FDA? For the FDA. Yeah, yeah for the FDA. Yeah, the FDA, that's all. Just say FDA, we're set, everything's good. But he wasn't done. He said things like this. Cut 17, go. Actually, crime is down. Gun violence and murder rates are up. All right, all right, all right, all right stop. Kind of a stupid comment is that. Crime is down, gun violence and murder rates are up. First of all, it's a lie. I've looked at the statistics. They're available. Go on the Internet. They're everywhere. That's number one. Number two, let's pretend he's right, which he's not. Gun violence and murder rates are up. Oh, okay. The rest of crime is down. Okay, great, great. Unbelievable. Go ahead. Guns. I'm the only guy that ever got passed legislation when I was a senator to make sure we eliminated assault weapons. Okay, he's talking about that law that was passed. We've had John Lott on the program. I've reviewed various expert uh, writings on this, various scholars of both sides, all sides. And other than the real uh, advocates for gun control and abolition of the Second Amendment, the serious scholars conclude that it had no effect. None. Now, why would it have no effect? Because people who are going to commit crimes don't get guns legally. For God's sakes, how, how stupid do you have to be? You're going to murder somebody, so you're going to go to a gun store and fill out paperwork? 
You're in the business of carjacking or selling drugs. You're going to go to a gun store and fill out paperwork so the federal government has information on you. And you probably have a record. And if you have a record, you're not going to get the gun in the first place. I mean, how stupid is all this? Go ahead. Need a weapon that can have the ability to fire 20, 30, 40, 50, 120 shots. I, I don't know of many people who have a weapon that is shooting 120 shots. He says all this stuff because this is a madman, and I'm not talking about in his late years. He's a madman. He'll say anything. He is a, he is a demagogue extraordinaire. Throw Jim Crow that the Republicans, you know, they have to put you back in chains. It just says the most diabolical, evil, hateful things. I said he's a one-man pandemic. One-man pandemic. Anybody have a weapon that fires 120 shots? I mean, without reloading. Anybody have that weapon? What is that weapon? You all have Gatling guns? I mean, what, what's, what's he talking about? But then he hits right at the nail on the head. Go ahead. From that weapon, whether it's a, whether it's a 9mm pistol or whether it's a rifle. A 9mm pistol or a rifle. You understand now what's going on here, right? First of all, rifles are almost never used in killing people. Those are the statistics that his government has and puts out. A 9mm is, if not the most popular handgun, certainly one of the top most popular handguns. So what is he talking about? Outlawing 9 millimeters. Those aren't quote-unquote assault weapons. And I don't even know what an assault weapon is. There really is no such thing as an assault weapon. A frying pan, if you hit somebody over the head, and, uh, that's an assault weapon. If you use your fist and hit somebody in the face, that's an assault weapon. If you take a pencil and push it in somebody's ear, that's an assault weapon. But the weapon itself is not an assault weapon. You're committing an assault with a weapon. But this is what they do. They lie. They connive. They steal the language. They mangle it intentionally. Go ahead. I'm continuing to push to eliminate... Ah, shut up, you idiot. Rambling buffoon. Now, this, this takes the cake right here. This takes the cake. This one right here. Cut 18, go. So you seem pretty confident that... that There's the clapping seals. I'm sure... Uh, I'm sure it's a very politically uh, diverse, opinionated audience. Hey, hey, it's hey, hey. Go ahead. So you seem pretty confident that, that inflation is temporary, but if you're pumping all of this money into the economy, couldn't that add to... No, the, the, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, D. Lemon, when you actually ask a question that makes sense, it really does cause me to pause. Did you hear what he said, Mr. Producer? I have to give the man a credit on this one. But you're pumping all this money into the economy. Couldn't that add to, and he wants to finish the word with inflation, but of course, Joe beats him to the punch. Go ahead. Moody's today, when our Wall Street firm, not some liberal think tank, Actually, said, Moody's is uh, run by a bunch of libs, but go ahead. The two things I'm trying to get done, we will in fact reduce inflation. Reduce inflation. Reduce inflation. What? Is it going to reduce inflation? Go ahead. 
good opportunities and jobs for people who, in fact, are going to be... You're not providing good opportunities and jobs for people. Get it straight, pal. You're not Benito Mussolini. Get it straight, pal. You're not creating good jobs for anybody. You're killing good jobs. You're killing little businesses. You're chasing big corporations overseas. You're driving up the cost of goods and services. You're driving up the cost of gasoline and food, which people need. You're not creating anything but a bunch of crap. And you're delusional. Spending more money is not going to create inflation. It's going to reduce inflation. He's an economic illiterate, among other things. So he's going to reduce inflation by spending. So I guess they're going to spend a hell of a lot more. Who's his economist? Bernie Sanders? AOC? Two creeps who haven't contributed a damn thing to this country? Filled with carbon dioxide spewing out of their mouths endlessly? Look how look what we're surrounded with here. Stupid and stupider. Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, AOC, Bernie Sanders. It's like the bottom of the bucket, for God's sakes. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Senator Ron Johnson, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, Mark. How about yourself? Doing very, very well. Uh, country's gone to hell, but I'm fine. Thank you for asking. Uh, Joe Biden said the other day at what they called a town hall meeting in one of his uh, more coherent moments that, uh, in effect, spending more money, by spending more money, he will reduce inflation. Are you aware of any economic theory ever devised by mankind that holds that position, sir? No, and I know uh, his uh, economic advisor to Democrat President Lauren Summers definitely would not agree with that. But, Mark, I'm wondering if Facebook will pull that down, censor that bit of disinformation. We've got a president that's a one-man disinformation uh, gaffe machine himself, and uh, (laughs) it's amazing that he'd actually be going to Facebook, including with them, uh, to take down other people's disinformation. But here's what concerns me. Since he is the executive branch, since he is the head of the Democrat Party, I don't think he's alone in believing this idiocy. I think when you look across the aisle in the United States Senate, you have a cabal of individuals who either agree with that or don't give a damn. They are prepared to spend trillions and trillions of dollars more. They think it's all free money. They think they'll, they'll be able to do whatever they want to do, no matter what. How do you deal with that? How do you negotiate with people like this? Well, you don't. You have to, you have to resist them. And, uh, you know, I'm reading your book, by the way. I, I skipped ahead to the end in terms of your solution. What I would add to that is not only do we have to get up in front of school boards, we need to run for office at the local level. We need to take back our local levels because the dysfunction in Washington, D.C. is apparent for everybody to see. Right now, there's not a whole lot we can do. If Democrats want to pass a three and a half, which is really about a five and a half trillion dollar spending package, laying in all kinds of new entitlements that we realize will probably never go away because Republicans never have the backbone to remove these programs or end these programs when they finally get into to office. So we just have government ratcheting in one direction. And one huge mistake conservatives have been making is we concentrate all our efforts on the federal government and we've allowed the radical left to take over our school boards, our education system, 
local government. We need to concentrate on that while we're trying to do everything possible to resist but to do it. I want you to read that last chapter again because I put a whole bunch of things. We need to take on the school boards. We need to take on the teachers' unions. We need to have cameras in the classrooms. We need to uh, file FOIA requests to get all kinds of information on our schools and our school districts. We need to know how teachers are hired. We need to know how teachers are promoted. So you won't get a disagreement with me. But you're a federal senator. So my question is, the problem is you're in the minority. And uh, you're, you're up against a very radicalized party. And they don't really give a damn what the minority thinks. And they're turning the Senate into something the Senate was never intended to be. And so um, I'm deeply concerned about this. I'm deeply concerned that we have a president of the United States who actually believes if you spend more money, you're going to reduce inflation. I, I, don't, I don't know how you deal with this. Do you think you have realize, enough? Yeah, go ahead. I'm saying, first of all, they realize that their, their time in office is short because the American public really doesn't support this Marxism. And so just like under Obama, where they had their opportunity, they, they laid in a new entitlement called Obamacare, yeah. knowing it would never get repealed. And they're going to do that on steroids now. So they're going to lay in all kinds of new liberal Marxist dependent type of programs, and they'll never be uh, repealed. Yeah. And they re- this is what they do for each other. Once they get into power, uh, it's all about retaining power. It's all about making more Americans dependent on government blowing up the system for their greater utopia. Again, you're nailing in your book. I mean, I can't, you're just exactly describing what is happening. And again, your solution is correct. We need to get engaged on every level. We've been asleep at the wheel as they've taken control over our local governments, our state governments, and now they have control of the federal government, and they're going to use that power. They're not afraid to use the power because they also have the media with them. Yep. There's no pushback on the part of the media. Senator Johnson's one of the great patriots. He's very courageous on so many fronts, and I've gotten to know you and, uh, and like you very much. I want to ask you a question. This so-called human infrastructure, see how they changed the language? Human infrastructure, massive expansion of the welfare state and bankrupt the country. That's human infrastructure, I guess. Are they going to get this thing passed through this reconciliation thing that the parliament ruled? Oh, they can do this three times a year. And I'm like, well, where is it written that they can do it three times a year? But in any event... Are they going to have the numbers to get it through or the, the trickery to get it through? It sounds like they will. What, what, oh, what bothers my mind is we have any Republicans cooperating with them. Yep. Try, trying to say, okay, no, we're, we're just going to, we're going to cooperate on a bipartisan infrastructure package, basically take five, $600 billion out of the $3.5 trillion package, which will leave a hole that the Democrats will fill. So, listen, I think we all recognize we need to spend money on infrastructure, but the solution for Republicans should be to take the $700 billion that was the part of the $1.9 trillion COVID relief, doesn't even get spent till the year 2022 and beyond, repurpose that, spend that on infrastructure, and call today and then do everything we can to resist the $3.5 trillion, see if we can whip up the public enough to put enough pressure on people like Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema not to go along with the Pelosi. Oh, you want to re-image the funds, as uh, Kamala Harris would say. Reimagine them, I guess. Uh, you're, <laughs> I, would, I would call it repurposing. <laughs> well, you're exactly right, Senator. I don't know why 11 of them, and I don't want to get you in trouble with your guy, would peel off. And I, I, Here's what I think. I think s- some of you, especially you, you understand what's swirling around here. I think some senators, they're like stuck 
in 10, 12, 15 years ago. They think things are functioning. You can work with these people and, and cut a deal, and they're going to be on it. They cut a deal, and the first thing Biden did was stab him in the back. That's what we're up against here. These people are not honorable, in my humble opinion. Well, again, when you have Obama, you have Biden, you have their leaders saying that they want to fundamentally transform America. That's all you need to know. Because, as I always say, do you even like, much less love, love something that you want to fundamentally right. transform? It's like, you know, with my wife, Jane, I love you, and I'm going to change everything about you. Uh, so th- these, these people are radicals. They're not our parents' Democrat Party. These people are, as you described in your book, they are radical Marxists. They want to tear down the system, replace it with what? I mean, nothing that has ever worked in the span of human history. And I, I don't think as many of my colleagues as need to really understand what it is they're, they're trying to accomplish here. It's not good. Are you going to be able to stay over after the bottom of the hour for a few minutes? Sure. Because I want to ask you about big tech. Big tech, big tech, big tech working with big government. It's like the worst fusion of power that is imaginable, particularly since big tech sort of is the the entity through which information is washed through this country. We're with Senator Ron Johnson. You heard what I'm going to ask him. I hope you'll be right back. most powerful conservative voice the mark levin show dial in now 877-381-3811 we're with senator ron johnson one of the great patriots in the senate quite frankly you know before we get to my question of big tech senator you were talking about running for office remind people you were a citizen candidate weren't you when you ran for the united states senate yeah i ran a manufacturing plant for 30 years and you know, ran when I was 55 years old after, with a lifetime experience. So, yeah, I would consider myself a citizen legislator. I, I'm not of that world. Grosses me out. <laughs> but, but there you are. You made it. And that's the point. That, that should inspire people, right? Well, we, we certainly need more conservatives running for office. And, and, again, a true conservative wants nothing to do with government. We really just want government off our back. And that's a huge disadvantage. Liberals, that's their lifelong ambition is to serve in government. So we need conservatives to step up the plate and realize we're going to lose this country if we don't get involved, if we don't. And, and again, across the board, local, state, as well as federal level. All right, let's talk about big tech. Um, until we take over the Congress and so forth, uh, I do think President Trump's lawsuit is right on now, particularly given uh, what Jim Psaki said and what the others have said, and they have basically uh, made the case that the government and these oligarchs are working together, don't you think? I think so, and that's certainly going to be one of the avenues, is we have to expose them to liability. These companies have become way too powerful. We never let an individual you know, own a TV station, a newspaper, a radio station, in, just in a small community, yet we have these you know, a few oligarchs controlling all this information. So we have to look at our antitrust laws. Democrats aren't going to want to change this because this works well for them. So, again, that's where I go back to your book, your BDS movement. We need to boycott them. We, we need the private sector alternatives. Conservatives have to stop uh, supporting these businesses. We need to find alternatives and let the free market work as well while we're undergoing a, you're undertaking a, a legal strategy as well. Senator, you really read this book. 
didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Hopefully some more of your colleagues will. Some of them are, because they've contacted me, too. I want you to know, just so you know you're not alone, this book, 400,000 copies were sold in the first week. Do you think there's a movement out there building? I think there is. I think so. That's what I see in Wisconsin, too. I mean, people are fed up with the critical race theory. Uh, People are so concerned about losing this marvel we call America. This, This is something rare and precious. And certainly people that supported President Trump, you know, true conservatives understand what made this country great. It's not big government. It's that liberty and freedom that our founders fought for, that people died for, so we can dream, aspire, build, and create. That's what made this country. And that's what everybody, you know, on our side of the aisle, that is what we are afraid of losing. Well, I'll tell you what, you've, you've become uh, one of the exceptional senators. I, I, I keep praising you because I believe this. What you have done, uh, what you've done with uh, all this scandal stuff that's taken place, the, uh, the abuses by, uh, by the FBI and our intelligence agencies, the, uh, the abuses that go on uh, in the bureaucracy, you've been at the point of the spear, you're probably going to come under vicious attack. You let us know when you decide to, uh, or if you decide to run for re-election, okay? I appreciate it. Keep up the good work. All right, you too, Senator. God bless. I've become very fond of him. and not, I don't know him socially. I don't know anybody out there socially, to be honest with you. But uh, I've become very fond of uh, Ron Johnson because he is a citizen senator. He did build his own business. He runs from a pretty tough state, politically speaking. It's, it's marginal one way or the other. They didn't expect him to win re-election. He wasn't backed by uh, McConnell, and he won anyway. And... Uh, He's a very talented man. He's a very hardworking man, and he digs into this stuff. And you can see he's actually reading this book, and that's not why I'm praising him. I didn't know he was reading the book. Uh, but, uh, but, but really, I think he's, he's done a great job, and I think he's a great example to so many. I really believe that. All right, let's take some more calls here. Let's see if I can find the screen. There it is. All right. A lot of people want to call and talk about the books. Now, the only problem is probably a lot of listeners are saying, I don't you know, come on. Uh, I'm taking people as they come. So uh, I'm going to go to Patty, Detroit, Michigan, XM Satellite. Wonderful, wonderful area. How are you? Hi, Mark. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. Um, first, I want to say I'm a te- <laughs> thank you. I'm a teacher, yeah. And I just want to tell you that in all of our curriculum and all of our books, whether it's reading, science, um, even in our uh, social studies, there's a lot of indoctrination going on. Mm-hmm. But luckily, I'm with a team of teachers where we've gone through the books and we've whited things out. We've edited things, so we're teaching more in line of history and the truth. Good for you. Now, are you with the public school system or private or what? I'm with a Catholic school. I see. Because, you know, in public school, you won't be allowed to do that. Right. So I'm in Catholic school. All right, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Wait. Even in the Catholic schools, you got to go through the books? They're filled with this stuff? Yes. Oh, my Lord. Yes. All right. For example, in our science books, it teaches that with the plant life and with the uh, animal life, life starts at fertilization with the seed and all that. When it comes to the human life cycle, it doesn't start with that. It starts with the baby. That's where the life cycle Isn't that amazing starts. and sickening? But isn't so that amazing? to change that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so they're not teaching yeah. science. They're and teaching a, the left-wing agenda. Right. And in our reading books, our stories are about 
uh, global warming. So we don't read those to the students. Ah, we implement the genre with other stories. So, so far, <laughs> we haven't gotten in trouble. So I've been really blessed with having a good team of teachers who mm-hmm. are in the same page as I am and the parents have also. Um, also, I want to tell you that I purchased two of your books, and I'm purchasing 17 more tomorrow. Whoa. Um, I come from a family. I, my mom had 20 children. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Your mom had 20 children? Yes. Yes. Wow. And unfortunately, four have passed away. I'm sorry. So there's 16 of us left. Uh-huh. And uh, my family is very split because of this whole thing that's going on right now with mm. the, um, you know, with Biden and the vaccinations and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I am purchasing 17 more books tomorrow, and I'm going to send them to every one of my brothers and sisters. Well, first of so all, they can read it, even ones who are liberal. You're very kind. You're a great patriot. And I'm sure now what's going to oh bulk purchasing, bulk purchasing, because the New York Times is desperate to accuse me of that, even though there isn't any. That's number one. Number two, you really are, are fantastic, because I'm sure you're not made of money or anything like that. So I want to send you a signed copy of American Marxism. It's the least I can do. And so, uh, and I want to thank you for spreading the word. I want to thank you for being a tremendous Paulette Revere, we'll call you. Thank you, Patty, and God bless you, and be well. To make, when I, you have to understand something. When I hear you folks call, or when I see what's going on in terms of this book and so forth, I think about you folks a lot. I think about how we're communicating. I think about how patriotic you are, how concerned you are. I just want you to know, I just don't get off the radio and I'm off to the next thing. That's not the way I am. And I hope those of you who've come to book signings and those of you who have met me, you know this. You know this. You are, you are truly, you're not just a tremendous audience. I don't care what your background is. I don't care what your walk of life is. You're very smart people, either by experience, either by intuition, by education, whatever it is. Whatever it is. Or you wouldn't be listening to this program, not because I'm so smart, but I don't do talk radio by the numbers. I don't, let's color in the numbers, one, two, I just don't do it that way. And I can tell, because reading books is kind of passe, isn't it, Mr. B? You know what I mean? People, a lot of people just don't do it anymore. But you do. It doesn't mean you have to read every word. It doesn't mean you have to go in order. You heard Senator Johnson. But it means you want to know what to do. And I'm not the Pied Piper. I just give you my arguments. I try to explain things and try and give you as many ideas as I possibly can. That's what I do on the radio, too. But I just want you to know, I do think about you folks a lot. I want to make sure I'm doing the right thing by you. I want to make sure I'm communicating the right way with you. I want to make sure I'm saying the right thing. And... uh it is beyond words to tell you when, when a young lady like that calls. You're all young ladies. Unless you're a man, then you're a young man. Unless you're transitioning. That's a whole other story. But you get my point. All right. Let us go to Amanda, Wilkesboro, North Carolina, on the Mark Levin app. Amanda, how are you? I'm well. How are you? Okay. Thank you. It's good to speak with you again. Um, thank you. I'm calling when I was back in the day, little so many years ago in college, um, back when it was global warming, not climate change. Um, it was just, I was a political science student 
and it was assumed that climate, or that global warming was the thing. There was no other side of it taught. And so even though I had conservative leanings, I just assumed that that was the truth. It's like, you know, the earth is round. We're having global warming. Um, but then I started working for a NASA contractor. Um, I was not a scientist myself, but um, I said something about global warming and passing to one of my colleagues. Um, and he said, well, actually, no, and began to explain to me the natural factors, um, you know, the sun cycle, volcanic activity and such mm. that actually really do impact it. And I was, I was shocked. Of course, I took it upon myself to research it. But in speaking with him, I found it, it was a revelation because I found so many other truly brilliant minds that really do believe, as he did, as I now do, that it's not a man-made issue. And um, the, But what, what you'll find when you study this is it's all over the map. You have some people say man contributes to it, but not enough to matter. You have other people who say it's impossible in any significant way. You have some people say, so what if the temperature goes up this amount? It really doesn't affect uh, the planet. You have other people say, uh, do you understand how big the planet is in your point that we have a sun and that's really what has the impact on the globe? But they treat it like it's, it's final, that the science is set. And you hear it from Democrats and these Marxists. You hear it from the mouthpieces in the media. Clearly, it's not the final word. Clearly, it's not set, but they push their agenda. It's about agenda. Critical race theory is not about race. It's about the agenda. Open borders isn't about helping poor people leaving from one country coming to another. It's an agenda. Massive spending, an agenda. That's what it is. It's a power agenda by the Democrat Party and their surrogates. And they have embraced these radical groups with whom they agree, with whom the media agree. Well, if you don't agree with them, you're a denier or you're, you're a white supremacist or whatever it is. As you well know, Amanda, i got to run. I'm going to give you a signed copy of American Marxism. Thank you. Your calls are always great. We'll be right back. Lovin. By the way, I want to emphasize something because the people who will attack me in the book and will attack you, there's not a word of violence in this book. I abhor violence. There's not a word in this book that incites or encourages violence, which the left like to project onto others. But there are individuals in the book, literally professors, who do encourage violence. There are individuals from the New Left Movement as we walk through history a little bit in the book, who were involved in enormously violent acts, including against the Capitol building and the Pentagon. So the whole world should be clear. The whole world should be clear. We are patriots, and we're not mostly peaceful. We're 100% peaceful. And we are up against movements that are historically violent, and our present-day violent. And I believe the media has contributed mightily to the violence in this country, to the racism in this country, to the hatred in this country. 
I believe the Democrat Party and Biden are doing it with their propaganda rhetoric. You talk about incitement. Chuck Schumer, I didn't have time to play this. Maybe hold it over till, uh, till tomorrow, Mr. Producer. The things that he says, they say things that are so horrible. That there's, that in part, I think it explains the violence on the left. And they're never held to account. Schumer in particular, the way he talked about two Supreme Court justices uh, almost two years ago, no consequences. The way he compares Republicans to arch-segregationists. Well, what do you want to do to segregationists? You want to beat the crap out of them, right? Maybe he's talking about his old buddy Biden. But they use the language of hate. They encourage violence. Their professors encourage violence. Many of their supporters are violent. I reject that behind this microphone, and I always have. And I always will. I want to thank you folks again. I want to thank you folks again. You are clearly involved. You've clearly jumped in. You're clearly reading the book. You're clearly looking at the, uh, at the back section there for the various strategies and tactics. This is very, very important. We need more and more of us. More and more of us. To do exactly that, to build a big group of patriots who finds different ways in our communities and throughout the country to stand up for the cause of liberty. And that's what the book is all about. You can go to Amazon.com. It's all good there now. Don't hold anything against them. They're ready to to supply you with whatever books you want. You can go to Barnes & Noble and Costco and Walmart, independent bookstores, books a million, every single place where you normally find a book has books. You know what they just told me, men and women? Ladies and gentlemen, birthing people, they just told me they printed 905,000 copies. Go get them. You're great. And I'll see you tomorrow.